Can concepts like equity and equality be reconciled with ideas of the left-hand path? Well, first let's talk about what these words mean and, and, and how they're used in the current environment. Equality generally refers to the idea of equal opportunity, that we foster or allow equal opportunity. So a good example of that is voting, that everyone should have an equal vote in something. Whether it's, whether you're talking about a governmental thing, but the ways that in which people vote in much more simpler like organizations that sort of arise naturally, like within communities or companies or even like, even like a family household will say, oh, let's take a vote on, on what we should do this, this Friday night. And, and that's generally acknowledged that everyone should have an equal say in it. So that's the idea of equality. Now, the idea of equity, um, which is something that we hear more and more of through the uh, corrupt and evil media sources that surround us in this day and age. Um, the idea that, um, that outcomes, not opportunity, that outcomes must be equal. Now, the only way to ensure that outcomes are equal equal is through applying force from an authoritarian, a centralized authoritarian structure. That's the only way to ensure equity because it does not exist in nature. And the fact that it does not exist in nature is really our, our first clue to understanding why it is an idea that is not compatible with the left-hand path, inconsistent with the left-hand path, and really contradictory to left-hand path values. So you look in nature, you do not see equity. When acorns fall from a tree, not every single acorn will grow into an oak. In fact, most of them won't. Most of the acorns will get eaten by animals or fall on dry earth and they'll die. And just a few of them will grow from there. And of those few that grow, most won't end up becoming a big oak tree because they won't get enough sun. Maybe they'll get chopped down. You know, all, all kinds of things can happen. They could get sick and they get diseased, who knows? A very small percentage will actually become a full-on oak tree. Now, we never talk about injustice in a context like this. We just call that nature. That is how nature works. Um, and nature has redundancy to ensure that there will be oak trees. And there's an interchange, there's an equilibrium that nature resolves with itself between animals, plants, sunlight, or resources, etc., etc., which humans can't do. Whenever humans do come in and try to interfere with something like this, it inevitably creates other like problems. Um, a good example of that is they're installing windmills um, off the uh, east, east coast of, of, of America and now this is like causing whales to get beached.
and stuff like that. So, um, and, and of course we can say the same thing for animals as well. So the wolf, you know, not, not every wolf is, not every cub grows up into a wolf. In fact, most of them don't. And then not every wolf within the forest gets to eat the same amount. They're all in competition for resources. Um, and then also um, animals that are prey to wolf, like rabbits and stuff like that. I mean, they also uh, must, must fight to survive uh, and work to exist. And not all of them make it. And some of them do make it. So no one complains about inequality or inequity or how are we going to ensure that no rabbit ever gets gets eaten and never rabbit goes hungry and yet no wolf ever like goes hungry or or never gets eaten you see you immediately you immediately see how irrational and ridiculous an idea that is now humanity um we're basically still subject to the same laws of nature man is a natural being our planetary body is of this earth from ash, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we're part of this earth. From this earth we come, from this earth, this body will return. And it is subject to these laws of nature, which are not subject to these made-up laws of equity. So, with humanity, since we are though a little more enlightened, we do have, within this planetary body, we do have substance uh, of a higher level in there, we can think outside of the box. We can think outside of the system and we can come to conclusions about it. So we can work with each other. We can cooperate in order to um, allow equality, equal opportunity to um, to create value, to find resources, etc. Um, but it's not possible to enforce equity. Okay, now it's possible to try to enforce equity, but this can only be done by harming other people. So it's like the myth of, of the little Dutch boy in the, in the dam where he goes up and he, he sees a leak in the dam and he puts his finger in it. And when he puts his finger in it, oh wait, that like creates like another problem. Uh, water comes out here, so he has to put another finger in it and then another and then another. And also he's like stuck here all the time. So you see that, that there's certain things, it's a metaphor that there's only, that every time man tries to control nature in an all-encompassing kind of way inevitably creates like other problems in the process and this is why people should understand and this dutch thing this is one of many myths like this um so this understanding that i'm talking about here is not anything new right this is old old folkish wisdom that Man should not seek to totally control nature, but only to um, have dominion over himself and his immediate environment that he works with. Another example. Am I as good of a basketball player as LeBron James? 
no, I'm not. Well, that's not fair. So how do we apply equity to this model? Is it possible to make me a better or as good of a basketball player as LeBron James? No, it's probably not. So the only way to enforce equity here would be to break LeBron James's legs, okay? Then maybe I'll have a chance against him. So that's the thing with equity. I mean, once they realize it's not possible to just uplift everyone because that violates, uh, you know, natural laws, it's just not possible. Um, then the only other solution is, oh, well, let's prohibit other people from advancing so much. And, you know, you hear this, uh, uh, a simple story like this, and you say, oh, that's ridiculous, and that's, you know, radical, but no, that's literally the philosophy behind ideas of, like, taxation. Well, we'll tax, like, the richest earners the most, because they can uh, afford to pay their fair share. But at the same time, no one can actually tell you what is your fair share of what someone else has earned. Minimum wage is another area where you see this idea playing out in the uh, socio-political and economic realm. The idea behind it is, oh, you need to raise up those lowest income earners, so then they'll be closer to the higher incomes, and we'll all be a little bit closer to this ideal of equity. But the obvious problem with that is like, you know, if you make $10 an hour, and then minimum wage comes along, and they say, oh, no, everyone makes minimum wage is $12, now you make $12 an hour, but guess what? You're still making the lowest amount possible you're still at the bottom. And then the unforeseen collateral effect of that is that since the reality is many smaller employers can't afford to pay people more, they just end up like cutting employees or uh, they end up automating things like automatic gas and all the, uh, or automated gas vending and then you know, all of the robotic stuff that everyone's worried about right now. It's like, well, guess what? Complain about like lower wages, guess what? You get replaced. So that's an example of the collateral effect. Well, they didn't intend to do that. The whole equity uh, policy of uh, raising minimum wages was intended to raise everyone up. But the reality is what happens is it ends up cutting a lot of people out of it. So. From a left-hand path perspective, I shouldn't even need to explain any of this. It's a foundational, fundamental idea of the left-hand path, Satanism, Setianism, that the individual is sovereign, that existence is based on free will. That means the exercise of my individual free will and included with that is the respect for and acknowledgement of all other individuals' free will and right to exercise theirs as well. It feels funny trying to find 
evidence from left-hand path literature of any of this because it's so just basically what it was all founded on um but somehow i just i don't know how but somehow these ideas of equity and collectivism and altruism have wormed their way into uh, what used to be called Satanism and what used to be represented by symbols like the Baphomet, which you see here very prominently displayed on the cover of the Satanic Bible Revision by Michael Aquino. In that spirit, So in that spirit, I would like to share some uh, ideas that come from this book, uh, specifically out of the text uh, in here that is the uh, book one, Satan Gloria Ignis, which is also known as the Diabolicon, one of the oldest inspired documents of the movement, which goes back to 1970. Um, which was circulated widely within the early uh, days of the Church of Satan. And this is sort of a, a paradise, lost-inspired um, mythology of uh, the demon demons uh, fall from heaven after receiving the dark gift of Lucifer, which is essentially the gift of self-awareness the gift of, and and from self-awareness arises the reality the material reality of personal sovereignty and 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 free will and all of those other sorts of things in one sense all forms of uh centralized authority ultimately seek to sublimate the black flame so and, and centralized authority that represents church, that represents state, um, anything like that. And that, that, that pretty much encompasses uh, it for the most part. So it's represented in the Diabolicon with the forces of um, heaven, the forces of, of Maslow and the angels versus uh, the demons who represent free will. So here's all, this is from uh, the statement of Arch Damon Satan. This is Michael speaking to Lu the Archangel Michael speaking to Lucifer. And Michael, Lord of Force, said to me, This man whom thou hast chosen to receive my gift now possesses the first key to the mastery of all things and the control of the very universe itself. Lest in ill choice he should spark the catastrophe of Armageddon, we also have visited him. And while we cannot undo thy infernal gift, we shall ever act to censor its effect. We shall walk among men and guide them. They shall be told of thy interest in them, but the name of Lucifer shall be dark with curses. For they shall love not the challenge thou placed before them, and we will offer them instead the blissful refuge of divine paradise. Then shall man, thy ultimate experiment, become thy failure, and the stasis of God shall prevail upon the earth. 
So this represents how centralized authority seeks to sublimate the gift. And they do this under the auspices of, well, you're going to destroy yourself, Armageddon, right? Lest this come to Armageddon. They justify the coercion by, oh, well, if we're not here to coerce you and control you, then you're all just going to destroy yourselves. So this is one of the myths of uh, myths of the, the savage ape. Um, and th this is a myth shared by Christianity and by secular humanism at the same time. It's the idea that without that external control, without that centralized authority, human beings are just going to like destroy themselves. We're just like wild, rabid animals, and we're just going to tear each other apart and steal from each other and everything. So the thing is, is that reality and history does not validate that model at all. Almost all of it is like just pure mythology, pure propaganda, church or state propaganda. Um, the reality is that those few times on, on the planet when human beings have like lived together without centralized authority, the result has been very prosperous. So you can talk about tribal uh, Native American civilization, uh, various Pacific Islander uh, civilizations. You can talk about uh, Ireland under the, the Tuat system or before that, like the, the Norse cultures were basically uh, free anarcho-capitalist tribalistic societies. Dr. Flowers has like written about all of that very extensively and one of the, the most ready, ready uh, example to us living here in America is the American colonies uh, during most of the 1600s and in, in a good part of the 1700s. So um, people forget that before America was founded, those colonies lived here and, and very prosperous. I mean, because, I mean, they were doing, people were trying to come here. England was trying to take control of them. But these were like free colonies, free from any sort of centralized government for like 200 years, right? Almost as long as um, since the founding of America that we've come since then. Before that was a total society that lived here without any like centralized authority over it. Now, the propaganda that we get is witch burnings and witch trials, and, and that's why that was a horrible society. So the reality of that situation is that that is a very small part of it, even just the, the, the time period in which the witch trials uh, took place is a very small piece of it. What they and it, it completely neglects to tell you about, you know, this is Adam, you know, Adam Smith wrote his, his book, uh, uh, Wealth of Nations, which is the first great book on, uh, on classic economics, uh, supply demand economics, which, uh, is, 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 is basically a, a gospel truth on economics, uh, nowadays is developed during this time period. And this is in which, the time period in which free markets existed and specialization of labor and all these things that eventually would uh, uh, culminate in the Industrial Revolution a little further down the road. A little further along in the Statement of Archdemon Satan, he talks about 
how free will is a part of the being of man. He says, what man art thou? Why thy presence? Because thy own purpose determines that of the cosmos itself, though otherwise it may have been suggested. The creation, perpetuation, and exercise of the satanic marvel that is free and unbounded will. Consider were man to perish, what futility would envelop the universe. For apart from appreciation and use, it is a thing of insignificance. And I, who first taught the identity, what should I become, estranged from man? For with no purpose, the force of mind must fail, and the blind insanity of godly paralysis would embrace all things forever. So this gets into a cosmic level, uh, how the individual will actually plays a cosmic role in fulfilling the promise of a meaningful and purposeful universe for us all to live in. Now there's even more to it than that, but this in a very basic and in a very uh, personal sense, this demonstrates how individual will is a divine quality and how the sense of purpose that the individual feels is, is a part of your nature as a human being. It is natural to feel an individual sense of purpose and an individual sense of sovereignty and to act to fulfill that. To act to fulfill that is acting to fulfill the divine promise of the forces of darkness. So one of the questions that comes up about that is like, um, again, the, oh, will we destroy ourselves if everyone can like, you know, is doing their own free will? Is everyone, you know, that sounds like chaos. How can we live like that? Well, first you have to acknowledge that even under this highly centralized authoritarian system that we currently live in, there's still a lot of chaos. There's still a lot of people getting fucked over. There's still a lot of people getting uh, put through the meat grinder, getting uh, their property violated and their, their property stolen and their person violated it happens all the time. So you have to understand even with centralized authority, even the existence of that, the existence of coercion and control does not eliminate the, the chaos and the entropy, which is a naturally occurring phenomenon in the universe. The reality is, for the most part, we'd probably do better uh, working against it on our own, and that, for the most part, the structures created by centralized authority really just create more entropy and chaos that, that the individual has to struggle against. So this is in the statement of Beelzebub, one of my personal favorites. So, so this is after the daemons having awakened to the gift of Lucifer within them, realizing, oh, we're not like the other angels anymore. We're a thing apart from that, having embraced free will. They decide the only thing to do is to leave. We have to leave this zone and, and go find our find our own place. We have to leave 
the lulling comfort of heaven uh, to find a new place to exist. So he says, And so we took flight and quit the realm of order, though we knew not what would befall us thereafter, and we feared that we should become unmade. But Lucifer said, We shall not perish, for we are now independent of God. And again he spoke truth, for we remained as we had been, save only for the depths of uncertainty that gripped us. So whenever someone makes that suggestion that maybe we can live without uh, centralized authority, there's always that fear. And this fear has been programmed into us that, oh gosh, without that, it'll be chaos. You know, who'll make the roads? Uh, and, and, and the reality is, is that you're fine without it. You know, it seems like every year now you hear in the, in the news the, that, you know, Congress won't pass their budget at the end of the year. So it means that Congress is going to be shut down. They have to shut down the government. Well, it really doesn't mean anything because the government doesn't shut down. They, you know, everyone gets paid and they're still there. And even if they take a break, it's like the structure is like still there. But we're told that it's going to shut down. And guess what? Everyone's fine. You know, everyone gets along just fine. So um, it's really a myth that we need that. And so the daemons are experiencing this too on a on a cosmic level They're like the darkness and the chaos and they fear that they will be unmade that they'll fall apart that they cannot continue to exist without that consistency and lucifer is the one who tells them do not be afraid you already have something in you that is more powerful than anything else that has been conceived. You already have within yourself the power to continue. So they basically get to the new place that they're going to settle down, it's hell. And so the implication is that, okay, now we're in a new place. We're gonna start like a new structure like we had. Are we gonna start a new structure like we had in heaven, a new centralized, a new centralized authority? And that's not the way it goes. And Lucifer said, Lo, see that I am not God, and that we are each of us an isolate being. Here shall freedom be absolute, for hell itself shall reflect our several wills, never to be patterned apart from them. And in truth, hell was not constant, for each of us conceived it differently, and the result was a riotous pandemonium with substance and motion behaving in a most bewildering and perplexing manner. So, you know, this is where sometimes uh, theistic Satanists get going down the wrong path with all of this and conceiving that, well, Satan is just, he replaces God and he's got his his hierarchy of demons over it and and and, and and, and, and it's wrong to think about it in that way because it basically just creates the same centralized authoritarian structure. And, and the Prince of Darkness is 
fundamentally different. It is a fundamentally different thing than centralized authority. It is the essence. Lucifer is the essence of isolate being and individual will. Therefore, it must respect the freedom of other isolate being and individual will. Therefore, it is a total contradiction for it to set up a new centralized authority. And you can tell by the way this, this passage is worded. There's, oh, there's this fear. There's this, oh, are we going to have like another uh, centralized authority and you're going to be the king now? And, you know, if he'd made that decision to do that, if Lucifer had made the decision to be the king, he would have submitted himself to it because that's the secret. That's the, the horrible secret of centralized authority and being the king of it is that the king is actually the slave to the system too and not actually himself sovereign. And that principle is further iterated uh, a little later in the statement of Bailey All, and one of the most powerful statements, I think, from all of the, the Diabolicon. And the final statement that coercion is immoral and antithetical to the left-hand path. He says, to those who would dare the black magic, know that what ye accept is the very mastery of all that ye have supposed impossible by force of will alone. The black magus need fear no power save his own, but he must conquer his own will that he cause not his destruction through ill chance or purpose. Satan himself is not God and hell can offer no salvation to those who abuse the gift of Satan. For the gift itself is beyond the control of hell once given, being subject to the will of the black magus alone. For hell doth bequeath to man his perfect freedom, and such a gift may never be recalled. And with those words, I bid you all keep those dark fires burning.